Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Will. That's Blake. Today we're here to talk some Critical Role, baby. But before we do, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired. I'm a little hungry. <laughs> <laughs> a little, uh, I was going to say Happy Gilmore. That's not right. Um, uh, uh, Billy Madison? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Or... <laughs> That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Classic, just, uh, man. Just talking old classic Adam Sandler movies, you know? The man who saved cinema. You know? <laughs> Him and Tom Cruise. But uh yeah. Uh, no, I'm doing I'm doing well today. Um things are good. Uh so yeah, how about you? How are you doing? Doing good as well. Um I was about to say it's Monday. It's not. It's Tuesday. It's not. But it still feels like Monday. It's I'm still so, kind of like gearing into the week. So a little, uh, a little under the table or behind the scenes under the table, maybe, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, a little <laughs> YouTube in, you know? Um, so when you asked how I was, you may have noticed an awkward, a slight little pause there. Cause I was going to say, yeah, it's Tuesday night. And then I had like this like meta conversation with myself where I was like, cause you don't have the podcast. And I was like, you never say what day it is because it throws, it like takes people out from, oh. you know, like, like if, if they're, they're listening, listening to it at a different time. Yeah, if it's like Friday morning, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, hey, it's Tuesday. Then they're like, what? But this isn't like an actual rule, by the way. This is just something I just all of a sudden started to like internalize. Yeah. So when you were like, how are you doing? I was like, it's good. Uh, and I was like, don't say it's Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. <laughs> and then you were like, it's Tuesday. And I'm like, it's Dang. Tuesday. Came and just destroyed just your plans. It. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like I said, a little under the table, YouTubing. So. Yeah, that I I had never thought about it, but I, yeah, that makes sense. I could see it. You know, like, you don't want to yeah, break like, immersion. Well, I think in general, I guess it's actually kind of moot for what we're talking about. Because like when I do it on the podcast, it's because I want an episode to kind of feel timeless. I guess like yeah, know it's useful. But I mean, we're talking about episode sixty-seven of Critical Role, so yeah. it's not. I, I could, it it would you know yeah. maybe not across the board, but I could definitely see where that would make sense to not yeah. like you know. I get right. it. I get it. Yeah. That one's yeah, free, you guys. Right. That that tip yeah. is free. The next one we're going to charge for. Yes. <laughs> but nice, man. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Um, what do we... I I thought I had something to like say beside the normal announcements, but it, it escaped me if so. So yeah. is there anything out of the ordinary to mention? No. I think like jumping into announcements, we got, we got a video on Daggerheart that we're oh, putting together. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So we got each other, man. You yeah, know? there we go. No, so if you guys didn't see, uh, we had Gen Con this last weekend. Some people in the Discord, which by the way, if you're not in the Discord, um, the subtle sell to join it doesn't cost anything. But for fellow <laughs> nerds who want to talk this kind of stuff, um, some people in the Discord were sharing their experience playing Daggerheart. This is the D&D system that the Critical Role company really released by Darrington press press. Um, it's their next, uh, play system for dungeons and dragons. So, um, there were some play tests. We're going to cover that all the details about it. There are some pretty interestingly big changes uh, compared to five E. Um, so stay tuned. We wanted to get it out yesterday. And then as we started talking about it, we were like, man, there's, we really need to kind of have a little bit more of like a structure to this than just yeah. our, well, what you've gotten so far in this video. 
<laughs> so um, yeah. I know that's one announcement. Do you want to add anything to that? I was just going to say shout out to CK and Heather. Those are the two people in the Discord that actually got a chance to play test it. So they have been yeah. a, a wealth of information about it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to to put that video together and, and go over that with you. So for those of you guys that I guess, I guess if you have or haven't seen anything about it, um, definitely keep an eye out because like Blake mentioned, there's some really interesting like mechanical changes compared to 5e that I think uh, are going to be really fun. They seem mm-hmm. exciting. Um, but you no, know, other than the dagger heart thing and our typical wizard, Witch in the wild one, um, I think that's which did you watch? Are you listening? I've, I've started it. I haven't finished it yet. Oh, bro. <clears throat> you got to finish it. That's I know I, I will. I'll probably finish it tonight or yeah, okay. tomorrow morning. Okay, uh, but yeah, that that's I mean it's it's always been good from episode one, but it's uh it's it's pretty good for those of you that are heating up right now. So mm-hmm. uh, for those of you that haven't checked that out and you like Critical Role, what are you waiting for? So get on it. Um, but yeah, any anything else? I think that's it. Alrighty. Um, <clears throat> well, y'all, we'll jump right into it, and as always, we're gonna start with our recap. Uh, which we do cut out and host separately on YouTube for your viewing convenience. So if you find yourself just on the recap video, uh, we will have a link to our main episode linked in the description below. But alas, my friend, would you like to take us (laughs) off here? Yes, this is episode 67 of Campaign 3 of Critical Role. And this episode was called Bloody Flowers. And the episode picks up following the battle with, I think, called the Devour Demon from the previous episode. And the party's sort of just taking a breath for a second, really taking a short rest to have a little bit of conversation on really the state of things. And we have uh, most notably FCG, who has sort of kind of like a meta moment. There's been this conversation, these sort of details back and forth on... Are we saving the gods? Are we not saving the gods? Do we care about the gods? Can we just agree that lewdness is evil? And finally, it comes down to FCG um, basically being a massive god stan uh, because of his connection to the Changebringer and actually asking everyone to raise their hands and says, like, all right, how many of you are pro save the gods? No one raises their hands except for FCG. (laughs) And uh, though we see uh, Orem kind of like a little bit of a shy, like, well, you know, I'm not sure. Um, so then FCG, honestly, it felt like if uh, not to be rude, but it honestly felt like someone being like, Hey, who's, you know, who's religious. And then like taking it upon yourself to like convert everyone. Um, yes. that's kind of what it felt like FCG was like, well, hang on then. Like we need to talk about this. And, um, they have a bit of a conversation and then FCG is like, all right, let's vote again. Let's vote again. Let's get, you know, um, and I think it was Chetney who yeah. was like, yeah, I'm team God now. I changed my mind. Um, it was very like always sunny esque, by the way, of um, the science is a liar sometimes thing. <laughs> um, anyway, um, they're also uh, a little bit of a, a teasing moment coming from Sam Regal, where um, Ladna mentions that she and Imogen um, were able to talk things out. And Sam is kind of joking, like, oh, what happened? Like, you know, trying to get them to share about the big kiss, yeah. uh, which they don't. They're just like, things are good. We talked everything out. Uh, and then finally they're like, all right, well, let's, let's get going. Let's keep, let's keep traveling, looking for these flowers. So they keep heading, um, through the gray Valley. Uh, Matt explains a little bit of the, the, the history about the gray Valley, which we've talked about on the channel. 
and that this was the last stand of King Drassig, who fought against Zand Haldore, uh, and how King Drassig had relied on this bargain with a demonic force to try to win, uh, but unfortunately lost, and the land was cursed as a result. And also as they're traveling, they're seeing like sort of, it was kind of Molesmere-esque, um, these spirits of fallen soldiers who seemingly are, are sort of walking the battleground. Um, it's also around this time that they spot in the distance a what seems to be some kind of structure built into a cliffside with a um, these black smoke, which Matt, Matt's mentioned this black smoke coming up over the tree side a number of times. Seemingly, this is the origin of that black smoke. And Chetney takes a big whiff and realizes that this seems to be the smell of burning flesh of people. It's Yikes. people meat, apparently. <laughs> Uh, around this time, Matt asks for a stealth check, the party fails, and we go into combat with these two shadowy bird-like creatures that we saw in the previous episode, uh, which I think Matt called them Vrocks. Yeah, um, I think so. That swoop in and combat ensues. In combat, we typically just cover the high points. For the most part, we're going to see, um, I think it was Ashton who knocked one to the ground, maybe. Um, by like jumping up in the air and just like cracking it. Uh, and then Chetney's going to move over to grapple it. Um, Imogen and Ladna are basically going to shoot the other one out of the sky. And for the most part, um, it's a pretty uh, quick couple of rounds of combat before the party is victorious and they continue on again towards um, this structure in the distance. Uh, as they head towards this structure, they're moving quickly because they hear more Vrocks that are coming to aid their fallen brethren. And Chetney actually um, uses something. Um, uh, what was it called? Grim, Grim Psychometry um, to basically he rolls a nat 20 and basically sees this structure as it was previously a temple to the platinum dragon. It seems to be this, this last bastion in the land designed to protect against demonic invasions. Um, well, what ends up actually happening though, in this vision is he sees a, what appears to be a massive battle, one of the towers falling and Matt informs him that this happened only three days ago. Um, he tells the party this. Uh, the party decides we should probably move pretty uh, carefully up to this structure, uh, the Iridon Bastion. And the party actually splits into two teams. Team stay on the ground and approach slowly. And then team um, uh, approach from the cliffside above uh, and try to descend down on it. Um, so the party split up. They move closer to the uh, this... Um, now ruined temple and they basically see imps and demons all over the temple as well as a few cages with some humanoid creatures who are shackled inside uh, they also spot this dark bird-like furry creature almost like a owl bear on two legs is kind of the impression i got um, that sort of seems to struggle to walk on two feet and is holding this glimmering beautiful rapier i think it was a rapier maybe a sword um and it was shouting orders to the other demons um fcg casts um i think uh some kind of language spell i don't have it in front of me 
Uh, but basically finds out that this creature is saying uh, to basically finish the ritual sites, which these little ritual stones are being built around this fallen temple. And then also is saying that they're basically preparing these humans for a feast, uh, which does not sound good. Yikes. Um, party up top descend, decides to descend down to one of the towers. And that is where we go to break. All right. So we pick back up and basically rolling initiative um, with this, this, these demons. It, it's basically on. Um, so as always, we're I'm just going to try to hit the highlights here and to set the stage, which Blake basically already did, but we're at this, you know, ruined temple bastion, a uh, right. bunch of demons and, and a bunch of, Oh, and I forgot to mention a certain character that maybe you want to, as you're setting the, the scene, you can mention this other character that popped up as well. Yeah. So um, the where Fern is, they can see, I, I think this is what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, she's down on, she's team approach normally, I guess. Yeah. So she sees like in one of these kind of like caves, sort of uh, this like figure kind of in the shadows that seems to not be like your typical demon and so they're like wait like what's going on with that um but more on that in a second so lots of demons cages with prisoners in them we're rolling initiative um so one of the first things that happens is orum looks in one of these cages and he sees a um female soldier of the platinum dragon and also a tempest blade uh gnome and lana with a natural 20 is able to start picking the lock on this cage um while fern climbs up to investigate this humanoid figure she just saw so she goes up there and she's like who are you like we're friends um like we're both against these demon guys like you know let's let's be cool yeah. and she actually hits a 30 on her persuasion check so this entity steps forward like into the light and it is like a devilish type of so uh, humanoid yeah <laughs> Drop and, dead gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> and he says we're not friends but for now, we're not enemies. And um, <clears throat> so more on that later. Um, but combat's going on. Like I said, a uh, couple cool things. Imogen casts uh, Minute Meteors for the first time, which is a really cool spell. So that was cool mm -hmm. to see. Um, and uh, this this devil, like I mentioned, he's running around in combat as well and just dealing out massive damage on these demons. I think, um, a, I think he was a paladin and they got yeah. divine. For those of you who play D&D, &D, you know the power of a divine smite paladin. I think he did 80 damage in one attack. <laughs> yeah, it was just bossing people. Yeah. Um so this this leader demon that Blake mentioned um ends up calling out to um I'm oh, sorry. I, I missed my place where I was in my notes here. Uh, oh yeah, the, the excuse me. The demon leader, uh, as combat continues, actually tears into Imogen, dealing over fifty damage to her, um, and she's up, but basically only barely. Uh, in response to this, Orum climbs up on this demon and basically slashes at its arm, which uh, successfully disarms the sword mm. that the demon was carrying, causing it to tumble down into the ground below. Um, Orum then uses a superiority die to kind of like swoosh with Imogen to get her to safety. Um, adding nine to her AC and basically yelling at Laudna, like, Hey, get her out of here. Like Imogen's looking really rough. Yeah. Um, and then there's this great moment where Laudna is like, Hey, Imogen, you like, do you trust me? You trust me. Yeah. Right. And of course, Imogen says she does. And Laudna and Imogen or Laudna throws herself and Imogen kind of off of this tower. 
that they're fighting on. Um, but Isn't she casts. Like, Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't <laughs> ruin the climax of what you're saying. <laughs> I was just saying she casts uh, Featherfall, and so they kind of float to safety down below. At least safety say, for the time being. I was going to say this is like one scene I immediately was like, I want to see this animated because it was oh yeah such a cool moment. That's going to be great. Um, so. so they float down. Imogen does chug a health potion. So for now, she's like out of you know out of super danger. Um, but around the same time, more of those flying rocks come in to join as well. So combat continues. Uh, this demon leader actually jumps off the tower to chase Imogen and Ladna and bites down on Imogen once again, this time KOing her and like he's chewing her in his mouth essentially. Um, but as he's getting hit on by the rest of the party, he actually does spit Imogen out and Ladna immediately runs over and like, gets in a defensive position kind of protecting her unconscious body um meanwhile fern who's kind of on the other side of the battlefield still transforms into a bird and picks up fcg to carry them over to imogen and once in range fcg blasts out a healing word to get her back up um and when she is up she quickly attacks the demon but then immediately casts invisibility on herself and laudna uh meanwhile the the boss devil guy is still just tearing up the smaller demons all over the battlefield. And uh, him and Chetney kind of have a little bit of a back and forth. But Chetney makes his way towards the sword that the demon leader dropped. Uh, he runs by, picks it up, and at the end of that turn, he has a voice enter his mind that says, Rise in glory, take what you've taken, and together we will do great things. Um much to the we'll, parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, like, not again. <laughs> we'll be talking about that for sure. So yeah. <laughs> combat continues. More damage is done to this demon leader and it eventually teleports across the courtyard and is attempting to flee. And the rest of the smaller demons in the Vrox, you know, follow the leader and are also trying to hightail it out of there. Fern darts after it, drops her bird form and casts a fifth level blight to get the how do you want to do this? And it's this, you know, really cool moment where the she's describing like the vines tearing it up from the inside out. And uh, it's basically cursing her as she mm -hmm. as it dies. And um, all the rest of the smaller bad guys just run away terrified at this point. Um, <clears throat> now, with combat essentially over, most of the party uh, is going to free the prisoners inside of these cages. And inside one of them, Orem finds his sister, Bernie. And they embrace, she thanks him, and she reveals that she volunteered to lead the expedition for these flowers and knew of this bastion here, but didn't realize that it had fallen. And uh, she reveals that the big leader demon was named Extovas the Gluttonous, and he yielded to a prince called Verudaluin? Definitely butchering that. Um, <laughs> and she's yeah, not babe. sure if all of these prisoners were captured to be a part of whatever ritual was about to happen here, or if they were just captured to like eat um, and just, you know, for pleasure. Um, Jenis, who is another prisoner and a Tempest blade uh, goes and retrieves two backpacks full of the flowers that they had already collected. So together with what Bell's Hells had, they have enough uh, to take back to Keyleth now. Um, as everyone's kind of getting together, Chetney is like, Hey, Ashari, like, do you recognize the sword that I just picked up? Cause it doesn't look like, like, it didn't look like it belonged to the demon. It seemed as if he stole it uh, from somebody. Mm -hmm. But the Ashari is like, no, we don't we don't recognize that. Um, <clears throat> and while all this is going on, Fern is actually talking to that devil she made friends with. And she finds out his name is Tavon Klosh, 
Retribution of the Hells, and that he is a champion of Asmodeus. And he's like, who do you swear fealty to? And she's like, no one. Um, but I did recently have this vision of the matron of Ravens and he's, he kind of scowls at that mention, but yeah. <laughs> he's like, they're very strange times right now. And I've been instructed to treat with even those who walk under the light of the primes provided they are not hostile. And he says, you know, since you don't swear fealty to anybody, if you're interested, there are many gifts to be had on the path of Asmodeus an eternity of purpose, strength, and pleasures for those who fall under his shadow. Um, he then takes her hand and kisses it. And at the spot where he did, there's this like symbol burned on her knuckle um, of like a, a black crowned head. And he tells her the path is open. You just need to accept the terms. Do you accept? And she does. So the pact is sealed and he says they will meet again. Um, Devon then tells the rest of the party that your leader is wise. The only reason like I didn't kill you all is because of her. Um, he then flies up in a way. Um, then, uh, everyone's like, what's going on there? But, uh, they're like, we, let's get out of here. Uh, but neither Barney nor Imogen can actually teleport them tonight. So they actually have to rest somewhere around here. So Barney uses stone shape and creates this cavern in one of the nearby rocks, ushers everybody in and then closes the cavern behind them so that they are kind of safely inside of this rock. And here's where they're going to rest until the next morning. And that's where the episode comes to an end. And uh, once again, this was episode 67 of campaign three bloody flowers. And Oh, Good job. and link in the description for those of you that want to see the full episode. If you're just on the recap. But yeah. Sorry, man. I, f- I felt like that was a, a long one. There was a lot going on in that combat. Whole, yeah. I mean, two different combats too in this session, which, you know, another correct pixels prediction. We said there was probably gonna be another couple and there was so <laughs> nailed it. We don't get much right, but <laughs> the small details that don't matter. We, <laughs> we get those. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So chunky, yeah. chunky up, man. Chunky up party is presumably done with combat and we'll be back in Zephra. I would hope so. I mean, they seem to be pretty insulated. Like I wouldn't imagine anything interrupts their long rest. Um, so assuming that to be the case, then yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't just immediately go to Zephra. Um, this, uh, this sword though, which is, uh, <laughs> which is something we, we, we speculated oh, on previously, but, I'm I'm ready to say with about a hundred percent confidence. Oh, I joke about Pixel's predictions. We got this one. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I did posit it as a possibility, but I, I waffled on. I was like, I don't know if Matt would have that show up, and so you know, I don't know. I don't know if I want to give us before. full credit for that, but um, it did indeed, and uh, I like I'm ninety nine percent sure that this is um, Grest Char, which I. Wish I knew how to pronounce it. I guess we might yeah, find out I'm, soon. I'm looking, uh, trying to find, yeah, Gratzachar. Gratzachar, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which Gratz-tar. I am, I am working on a video explaining this sword, um, for those of you that want to know, but it is like, 
I mean, it's not spoilery, but obviously, like, if you want to wait and kind of find out more about the sword, like, as the details naturally unfold in the campaign, uh, then totally understandable. Don't watch the video. Um, but I will be working on, I already am. And so hopefully it'll be done soon. Um, but yeah, so we, it, we can talk about it here too as well, but for that same kind of like spoiler reason, I don't know if we should go super in depth on what it does. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's fair game. We can, we can jump in on it a little bit. I mean, okay. this is presumably the next, I want to say the next, it's not like the main next story point, but from like side ish content, it's the next, I think big story hook that we, or keep I don't want to keep saying the next, like what am I saying? It's a big story hook is what I'm trying to say, man. Yeah. So yeah. And I think, um, you know, this could be a really interesting, that and then Fern is another big story hook, I think, but, um, yeah, we got a talking sword. It's in Chetney's hands. Um, what do we want to say about it? Uh, well, <clears throat> Yeah, Travis has a history with sentient weapons. They keep finding him. Um, but yeah, I I don't know, because it's like, there's like two, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it'll be interesting to see if it, if it actually goes anywhere, because I mean, it's a nice sword and it talks. Like, are they, he's probably mm. not just going to leave it behind. You know, I would imagine he's going to take it with him at least like to Zephra until they can figure out more. Um, but it's, I guess what I'm getting at is that it could easily just be a big, like nothing burger. Like he could shoot, they could decide not to mess with it, you know, or give it to somebody in, in Zephra. Cause I think it's also a two handed weapon. Um, oh, I thought it was a, I called it a rapier, but I guess it's not. Let's see. I think it's a great, well, if it is indeed grass char or whatever, it's a two handed great or it's a it great is, sword it a great i think sword. yeah you're right i was wrong i think i was thinking rapier because <clears throat> the demon was holding it in like one hand yeah um but you're right it is a great sword so i mean chatney could technically use it i guess orum could technically use it even though he's more of a sword and board type of guy and then ashton but i don't see ashton especially after his you know immovable rod upgrades and stuff recently i don't, really, I don't see ashton not using the hammer I don't know um, if I see Chetney using it. Yeah, I don't yeah. like me neither, really. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. So like maybe like maybe it doesn't really get used. Like maybe it's not really going to be something because they're going to, you know, leave it behind or give it to somebody else or, you know, whatever. Um, I could see Ashton maybe using it. I mean, sometimes players like to like swap weapons. So, yeah. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. the counter to that is this thing talks. It's obviously a very interesting D&D item, especially like above the table. So on that side of things, I don't really see them just being like, no, we're good. Like, you know, even if it's not like optimal necessarily, mm -hmm. they could be like, well, we got to check this thing out. Um, mm -hmm. So I do. <clears throat> anyway, all that being said, I do imagine they look into it at the very least. And here's where like we're it's quasi spoilerish for those of you that like don't want to know anything. Um, uh, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do this after we're done talking about it. Yeah. So if you want to, yeah. And I might have something to add to it too, before you wave people off. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so I'll still just be, I'm not going to like spell out every single detail. Um, watch the video I'm making if you're interested in that, but essentially it's a sentient sword that is like pretending to be somebody it's not. And, um, in an actuality it is evil. Um, so there are like insight checks that can be made. And so maybe the first thing next episode is 
they roll a high insight check and they know immediately that this thing is bad news and, you know, decide not to use it or whatever. Um, but if they don't, or if they don't even think to like delve into it in that way, um, and somebody uses it, yeah, it, it could be bad because this thing will, it ultimately wants to like sow havoc and chaos and kill good people essentially. Um, and it can charm people as well. And a certain group of good people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Very interesting for sure. Okay. So I know, I know I've just been like rambling that detail, but okay. Yeah. Should we wave people back or? Um, well, uh, it is like, it's a, it's strong though. Like it's a strong weapon. Yeah. It's um, a plus. Yeah. You mean like literally, or you mean like figuratively? I guess both, but like, like statistically it's a plus three. It does like a lot of extra damage. Like I said, it can charm people. Um, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm really interested to see like what immediately happens. Like if I kind of want them to not figure it out, you know, and see where this goes a little bit. Um, but yeah, I guess anything else you want to add before we wave people back? Uh, well, you know, funny enough, we talked about last episode, like the powerful weapons they would get. So I guess this is the second legendary item they've acquired, right? I think. Yeah, which it's act- it's honestly a. Well, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait until after we're. Well, no, I won't. Uh, yes, it is with the staff and now this. Um, but I think it's also kind of like they could have easily never have gotten it because you know it took Orum disarming right. the guy and then Chetney, you know, deliberately going to get it, right. which maybe. I mean, maybe even if Orm didn't disarm him, presumably Matt did make a big deal about like describing the sword a couple times. So maybe even if like once he was dead, if they went to like loot his corpse, they would have gotten it then. Um, Bro, there's no so, way Matt was leaving this. Yeah. So I don't know. So maybe it's I mean, not fair to say that a lot had to go right for them to even get it because maybe they would, maybe they had ample opportunity. Um, so yeah, never mind, I guess. But, yeah, I, I just I'm inter- I'm very interested to see where this goes, and uh, I like how we waved for we waved for spoilers and then we didn't do any of the spoilers. We were like, <laughs> and it's pretending to be someone who wants to hurt someone else, you know. <laughs> well, so. the just the fact that it is good per- or bad pretending to be good is kind sure. of a spoiler. But um, sure. I, right, did we do wave, this yet? Yeah, let's wave people back. Okay, come back. I'm sure. Us. Like, I bet good. nobody even like. That probably like wasn't even useful to anybody. Well, yeah, they were probably like, we know. Yeah. Like, we're <laughs> um, so. Which, yeah, so really excited to to see kind of what happens with this sword. Um, Let's talk about another story hook. Yeah. This old, old Fernie. Old Fernie. Fanny. I will say when I finished the episode, I really disliked this. But now that it's been several days, I'm like... Yeah, pretty cool. And it's very Fern-esque also. You know, the ultimate chaotic neutral, you know. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know. Yeah. Well, because, yeah. Because uh, when we, when you initially finished the episode, you and I were texting a little bit about it. Yeah. And you told me that. Um, not in those exact words, but. Uh, I'm just going back to the text. Go ahead. Y- yeah, you, you might have it here and you can say it exactly. But it was essentially like, yeah, the sentient weapon was really cool but you were like i was not a huge fan of the fern thing and i said well i'll hold my response to that until we're talking on the pod right. um which um, i know you now said you've you've softened 
to the idea. Yeah. So, so here's what I said. Here's what I said in the text to Will, which I watched it Friday, so the day after it aired. And I said, the pack was a little nonsensical after literally everything they've been through regarding the gods. Um, but I'll give it to the party for it being high, high jinx of sure. Why not? Instead of any meaningful story reason. And now that I read my text, you know what? I kind of feel that way again, actually. Yeah. Well, you know see, I, I disagree because oh, no. like to, <laughs> to your own, <laughs> to your own point in the recap earlier, no one was team gods besides FCG. So like what, so like, what do you mean that it's nonsensical? Cause it's not like as if Fern is a big prime deity gal. Yeah, cause, now, Cause now she's like, yeah, I'm a God Stan. Let's do it. You know, well, I don't like, think she's, just, I don't think she's a God Stan yet, but it's I mean, also, she just swore allegiance to the worst God. And well, I, I don't think I'm saying like it, it felt high hijinks of like, you know, it's like there's a button to be pressed. Like, Ooh, what if we pressed it? Even though they've had all these interactions about the button, like for 30 episodes. So that, that was my only thing was I was like, this feels like party silliness than like a meaningful thing. But I, I get where you're fern. coming from. Fern-esque. It was very fern. I was very I fern-esque. Yeah. I think. Uh, so I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I do disagree because in the previous 30 episodes, there hasn't really been like anyone directly. No hot dude. Like, sure. like coming to Fern, you know, it's not as if like the change bringer, yeah. or the Dawn father, like was trying to actively like recruit these people to be their champion. Um, so to me, it's like, yes, they've been like engaging with this philosophical debate and idea of like, should we, shouldn't we with the gods, but there hasn't been any like personal connection for Fern. Yeah. And so I feel like this is the first time that there's really even been like a, a true entry point. And I know like we're joking, but I think the fact that he is hot has something to do with it. Cause it is Fern yeah. and this and dude love- just like obliterated people yeah. on the battlefield. Which, hasn't that been a detail about her? Like, I don't see that she loves power, but there's been like, some kind of subtle thread with Fern and like appreciating power or I, I'm butchering it. Cause I'm just now formulating this thought, but like, yeah. I think that insight is a really, I think you're right. I think that is on brand for Fern liking that. Yeah. And like she firsthand sees how powerful this guy is. And he's like, yeah, yeah like this is the stuff you can get if you follow this path. So, and I also don't think she's like fully packed it yet. Like I wouldn't call her a champion of yeah. Asmodeus or anything. I think just, the path is there. Should she want to take it? Like step one, she signed up for the newsletter, but like she hasn't, you know, started paying her monthly dues. But, but here's the thing though. Doesn't it, do, I don't know the lore of critical role. Like do people not have like an average, I feel like this party is, has no idea about anything. They're like, like they're discovering like, Oh, matron of rate. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Dawn father. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, like if people say Satan, a lot of people are like, oh, it's a pretty bad dude. Yeah. Like when when Asmodeus gets mentioned, is it not like a household name or is it or like are the gods more like, oh, yeah, like I've, I read that in a book somewhere or I guess I'm just kind of surprised people weren't like, hey, Fern, that's cocaine. I don't know if you want to. <laughs> well, know, didn't, didn't some of them that. say that to her after? maybe i don't remember i don't know if that was like above the table or if that was characters i don't think so i don't think in a meaningful way at least <clears throat> well like, it, i feel it, like Orum should be like well, i think he did he, i thought he did but maybe it was liam that was just kind of like yeah, ribbing her he i don't remember it 
Um, but to answer your question, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's twofold things happening here. One, I would say it depends on your character to like, you know, somebody like, um, somebody like Orem probably has more of an understanding. There's really no one in the group that is like super like book smart, like studious, like there's no, you know what I mean? Like there's no, um, Yeah, I want to give examples from other campaigns, but I guess that might not mean anything to you guys. But there's like no there's no Bo who's like very studious um, or Caleb Um, anyway, but especially Fern, like she's not the type of person that's in the library. Like, you know, she's she's a fae, you know, she's like just very whimsical. So I think it makes sense for her to not like have an awareness of those things. But then I think there's another level of like, obviously the the players so Ashley Liam Laura they obviously know who all those people are because they've had experience and you know stuff in this world right. so there's always like a weird line of like you know me as the player like I know a lot about the lore but like my character like should I act yeah. under those assumptions you know so I think it's kind of a, a mixture of those things I do think for Fern specifically it makes sense that she wouldn't know any of that but just in general like that's kind of a weird line you have to play with at times um, so I know I'm kind of going all over the place here, but I feel like it was, I feel like it made sense for her character because she hasn't, if she fully fledged had like committed herself and was like, that's my guy, then I would be more in tune with how you feel about it. But I feel like it was just like the opening, the opportunity. And I feel like it makes sense for her to at least give it that much. I guess it's not a contract. Or is it? Um, but Aside from her aspect to it, which one, well, actually, no, not aside, because I want to make another point that you were talking about with her kind of allure to power is I I in no way think this was like plotted out, planned, pre-scripted, obviously. But if there is like this dark pact that is now in play, this could be really interesting with Dark Fern. I know where you're going. (laughs) From EXU. Yes. You know, like what if somehow like she does fully cross over to like this evil, you know, and that somehow we still don't really know how to make sense of what the heck that was in EXU. Better we don't. Like, is it time travel? Is it was it a was it purely an illusion and it wasn't really her, you know? So in any case, though, this could be a really interesting like domino on the path to to yeah. that moment. Yeah, very interesting. Um, okay. But, but yeah, um, uh, but re- just real quick, Tevon himself seems, well, Retribution of the Hells, was that his title or whatever? Yeah. Sick. And I mean, he has to know our boy Xerxes, right? Like, oh yeah. They go get a beer after yeah. <laughs> slaughtering some folks. Yeah. Um, I didn't know demons and devils hated each other. We, there was some good for once, there was some really good context in uh Twitch chat as I was watching um, and just understanding a little bit of the lore of demons and devils and their natures. And so, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. And I, I also found it interesting, which I think we've talked about this at, at some point over the past 30 episodes, but just wondering the dynamics of this conflict that right now, similar to when they first balled up Pradathos, the betrayers and the primes seem to have, an agreement. I mean, they're probably not like in communication with each other necessarily, but um, like, you know, Tavon said, like I am to treaty with even people that walk under the light of the primes, given the circumstances. Um, 
Yeah. Did we get clarity on why Tevin Klask was there? I guess we didn't. Um, it huh. would be interesting if it had anything to do with that sword. But I, I yeah. but no, I don't think it would have because then he he could have just still done like you know he could have just taken it from Chetney if yeah. he wanted to. Well, it does make you wonder. It's like, yeah, why was he there? Perhaps something to do with, um, and I'm kind of pivoting now. Uh, yeah. Whatever this ritual that was being set up to take place was, which I'm very curious about that because I took that to mean, hey. Let's summon some more demons and eat a bunch of people. I, but I didn't take it to mean anything more than that. Which that could be all it means. Like, I don't really have an alternative to like some big idea that it does mean. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just trying to figure out why he would be there. I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because it clearly like, I don't know. Like, why would that even be on the radar? Yeah. Unless they were doing something that somehow, mm-hmm. not not that it was like aiding Pradathos necessarily, but like for some reason it was detrimental to the gods to let them do what they were going to do. I will say Tevin Klask being there, um, like his first attack when he did like 80 points of damage, my like apprehension for the battle like went way down. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Okay, they're good. And and then it went up again when, you know, our boy was chomping down Imogen. Yeah. But I will say for the most part, I was like, okay, this... And it, it, I wouldn't say... This is kind of a weird thing, by the way, to talk about because I I think it's just like... This gets, into, this gets into territory of like a D&D game versus critical role as a piece of media to consume yeah because like from a DD perspective i think it was great from like a pure narrative story thing like it's i think it's a bit unfair to even say what i'm saying because it's almost implying that i would prefer the story was railroaded and forced which i don't i yeah. don't want that so I, I guess i say it with like the caveat of i'm totally full of bs you know <laughs> i get but, what you're saying but yeah, I was a little like, oh, okay. Um, I think they're good then. So, which, but I mean, she rolled a thirty persuasion check. So, like, what happens True. in the universe where that doesn't happen? Do they have to fight him as well? Yeah, you know, like I guess we then might have found out more about what he was doing. But yeah, <clears throat> I wonder if it has anything to do with the subtle clues that we talked about last episode with like something maybe having come through like uh the the trees you know how they were burning and it seemed like something was Mm. either had come or had gone through there like um yeah i don't know Uh, because there there must there has to be some like mass the type of dm and and world builder like that there was a reason that that guy was there you know that wasn't just like oh i'm gonna throw in a cool npc here because right like we just said, like there was no even guarantee that he was going to be an ally. Um, yeah, I, I say, I agree with you there. I think they could have easily could have not been an ally. I do know from what I've seen in campaign three that Matt tends to, and I've mentioned this on the show a few times, Matt tends to bring in an NPC, not to, not to keep players from dying, but I think just to like, as kind of like a difficulty slider, so I, I do agree with you that it could have been totally possible that the persuasion check didn't happen, didn't end up fighting for them. 
Um, but on the same token, I'm not surprised that I went that way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just the DM toolkit, right? Like if the persuasion hadn't gone through, then perhaps those extra Vrocks wouldn't have shown up or like Matt would have, you know, lessened yeah. the HP on the enemies. Like, you know, who knows what like little tweaks and twerks are happening behind the scenes. But I get what you're saying. And to, which, not that <clears throat> I was going to say, which speaking of HP, we found out that Matt was giving bonus yeah. temporary hit points for every <laughs> joke about the flower. <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah. Uh, which I, I, I don't remember now, but I remember seeing somebody had like tweeted how much it was, but I, I think it was like 22 extra health or something. Right. Um, yeah, it was two health for every tick. And I think there were 11 ticks, which I, I, I'm for it, man. Like, I think that's just, you know, you're going to rib the DM over and over like that. You can, you know, rib you got a little back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, and just a quick, quick little point from the uh, recent uh, Comic-Con panel for those of you that watched it, or if you didn't, um, to your point of your kind of conversation of like the D and D game versus the, the piece of media. Um, one thing that, you know, Matt said before, but he, he again said at this panel was that like, I, I don't like create this game for any of you. Like I make it for them talking about the players. Like that's, that's the only thing in my mind. I don't think about like, is this, a, is this going to be an entertaining episode? Like, all I do is try to entertain them. And, you know, hopefully if that is the case, then you therefore as well will be entertained, um, which it's worked thus far with that being the, the strategy. So um, I think that's the best. I think that's the best take. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. So I think it's hard to criticize that for sure. Um, so I'm going to <laughs> Matt needs to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, what else? Presumably, um, the temple was attacked. It, it was the implication that, well, like we've seen elsewhere, the wards that we've seen fail because of the mm. apogee solstice, that whatever wards maybe were protecting the temple, that those things failed and allowed um, the demonic attack and ultimately the temple getting destroyed? I, I could see it like that definitely being part of it at the very least. Um, and then just the chaos of everything that's going on in general, because of the solstice, certain magics not working, the gods kind of pulling away a little bit. Like maybe the people that were at this bastion were just not prepared mm -hmm. or did not have the tools necessary to like push away this attack as it were. Um, but yeah, the fact that it was like explicitly mentioned that this was like the last bastion to like stave off demonic invasion or whatever also, again, makes me wonder what was going on here. Like maybe the demons have some thing that they're trying to accomplish. They knew they had to take out this bastion because that's like the last line of defense that's going to stop them. So they take that out and now perhaps they're, they were summoning something like summoning like a, a greater demon prince or something um yeah which i don't why asmodeus would be like against that and potentially have sent tavon to like deal with that as well which maybe that's not a fair assumption to make maybe tavon was just there for whatever reason and, and got mixed up in this um i kind of forgot how i even launched into this but yeah i think that the solstice and the magic breaking definitely had an impact on that thing getting bowled over like it did yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, Barony's in one piece. 
Uh, yeah. Party's going to teleport out with Imogen tomorrow. How is Barney going to get out? I, was, I think I think she can tree stride. That was, or she can do or she can she like she didn't have the tree teleportation. I was confused. Yeah, I didn't know if she meant she couldn't do it or if she meant like I need a long rest before I can do it. Oh, um, okay. But I guess either like even if Barney can't do it, I guess they can they can communicate with the Ashari and be like, hey, open up a, a tree portal for us to come through. Because yeah, Imogen can't take everybody. Right. So yeah. well and but, also, isn't she going to have to roll a D4? Like, can't she even get all of her charges back from... She can't get all of them, but I guess how many... Do we know how many she has? I don't know, but I'm yeah. even wondering... <laughs> she teleported... Oh, no, she didn't She didn't use it, actually. Um, or wait. They tree-strided there. But they used her staff to get to Zephra, right. which that was six charges. And they didn't seven. spend the night, right? They just how many charges is that? One, two, three, seven charges, right? There hasn't been a long rest yet, so I don't think she can get the charges back, right? How many total does it hold? I think eight. Yeah, I don't know, but I guess, I guess in any case, since Imogen can't teleport them all anyway, that they're having to tree stride some of them. So if they can all just tree stride, but that being the case, I think. I guess the only issue is going to be, can they successfully get a sending spell to Zephra to be like, hey, open the portal? Mm -hmm. Or not. Okay, so here we go. Um, okay, it has eight charges. It has eight charges. The wielder can use an action to expend uh, one of the following spells. Teleport, which is six charges. So she has two charges left. Um, she gets 1d4 plus 3 at dawn. Okay. So she so, so she has two. She needs four. So she, she'll automatically get it, right? Because even if she rolled a one, yes, that's it right. would be plus three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So, But I still think they'll have to tree stride too. So maybe like, I don't know. Maybe just take the tree stride and save the charges. But in any case... They have ways to get back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what else to talk about? Um, <clears throat> we've got these flowers. We we've got we've got the sword, and we've got this pact, both of which we already talked about. Um, which I don't I don't want to jump back into spoilers, but I forgot to mention this earlier, which we kind of talked about it, but we didn't like explicitly talk about it. So I guess you know what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to jump into spoilers again, but given what we know about the sword and where they're going and who's there, that kind yeah. of worries me. Pretty interesting for sure. You know, yeah. um, so I know some of you are probably annoyed. Just like, just what are you talking about? But again, yeah. uh, if you want the full juicy spoiler details, uh, uh, look, be on the lookout for that video coming out. Um, but yeah, assuming assuming nothing crazy happens in that regard, we get these flowers home. Keyleth gets back up to speed. She mentioned wanting to go to Vasselheim to like talk to people. What's crazy is that like because of the sending spells, like really 
like no one knows what's going on still. Yeah. Like, right. like Vex doesn't know about Vax, presumably. Like, so is she going to go talk to her peeps first or? Well, there has to have been something. Cause how did, how did all these armies get to Jusar? Right. There had to have been some true. kind of communication. True. So, but true. So some, some stuff is definitely out, but as far as like members of Vox Machina go, they probably mm-hmm. aren't aware how messed up Keyleth is, nor are they aware that Vax made an appearance. I would assume. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe word got out that, Hey, the Tempest, yeah, she got messed up, but rando soldier isn't going to know who Vax is, yeah. you know? So he won't yeah. know to like spread that part of the information. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess I'm just curious what, what happens from here. They have successfully done what she asked them to do. Are they going to still look to her for like their next set of orders or are they like, Hey, we're coming with you. Like if you, are you going, I mean, they're going to Ruidus, right? That has to be like, that has to be coming, but maybe it's just not yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on what I think either. It feels like two episodes ago, they were like, or not two, maybe three episodes ago, whatever they first reunited. Um, feels like they were like, we got to get back to Marquette ASAP. And, but now I feel like it could be, Keyleth needs to go to Vasselheim and they're like, well, we want to come with you because there could be some really juicy stuff in Vasselheim, you know? And so yeah, it could be even that Keyleth's like, Hey, I know you want to go back to Marquette, but there's not, there's not a lot to be done right now. Come with me and let's, you know, I don't know. I mean, I could, I could see that being really interesting. It would also put them back on Isilra and could be an eventual breadcrumb to, um, or Ashton's hometown oh. or Ashton's yeah. uh, old home. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense, certainly. Cause I mean, it's not, I don't know. I, I it, it, it kind of feels like this campaign finishes on Ruidus is, is kind of how it feels to me. It may not, but it just seems like, unless Ruidus cracks open and falls out of the sky, um, it it almost feels like there's other things that could be done before they go to the excavation side and take the elevator up. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do agree. This we haven't talked about this in a while, but it's something we used to talk about like 30 ish or, you know, so episodes ago wondering like where this fit in the story. Like this feels like big bad of the whole campaign, but we're still kind of early in the campaign. I do think this storyline is the, the end game storyline, but I still think it could be 40, 50 episodes of content um, to get there. Cause like you said, even if, even if Pradathos is unleashed, there could still be a lot of like aftermath and like, Oh, now we have to stop this. Or like, you know, who knows what lewdness is like true, true plan is like, may, maybe he is going to try to ascend and take Pradathos's place or something, you know, like um, anyway, all this to say is that I agree with you that, the campaign will end on Rudis. Um, maybe not literally, but like this is kind of the end game. Um, but yeah, there's still like so much that could, that could happen between now and then. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like we have to go there though. Like even if it doesn't end there, even if it's just for a little bit, like they're definitely going there. Like they have to. Yeah, Um, I agree. Which 
we got to figure out what's going on with uh, Ira still. Oh yeah. As well. Like I, I don't, I don't expect like some sort of rug pull where like Ira's the, like whatever Ira has going on is the true threat that now must be worried about. Like, I don't think it's to that level of stakes, but like, I do think that he's got something going on that is going to throw a wrench into things. Yeah. I agree with you for sure. Agent, agent of chaos. Yeah. So, and it does mean, speaking of chaos, it does mean we wonder, are we ever going to find out more about Fern's parents and those memories that seemingly were destroyed by Ira? Um, yeah, I don't know. So, very, very strange. I really, I, that's one of the things I'm most curious about is Ira. You know, like he's, mm-hmm. he's Faye, but not really. He's, he's twisted, which is like right. a legit word for word description of what Pradathos does to his followers. So like, is, so you, are you implying that maybe Ludinus might be wanting to pull one over Pradathos, but Ira is like a true fan of Pradathos or I wasn't I wasn't making like the Ludinus connection I just in general. Like I wonder, especially, you know, now that we've seen him on Rhodus talking to, to Rylora, like, you know, is Ira just as ancient as Ludinus? And you know, if he is, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, is he Tishtan or something? Like, I don't know. I wonder just wonder what his secrets are. Cause yeah, he's very, very interesting <laughs> and then and then we throw in you know but he loves grandma mori which is just it's an interesting little twist there maybe maybe she can get the truth out of him as one weakness <laughs> all right i think that does it then um let us know what you guys thought <clears throat> of the episode your favorite theories and thoughts with X going on. Also, check out Will's video he put out recently on the Secret City on Ruidus. Some really good stuff there. Oh, yeah. And I think you said um, a video incoming on Grazdchar, um, the Cursed Sword. Um, maybe we just say cursed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Banished, please not banish it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. But yeah. And, uh, uh wizard witch in the wild one coming soon and um as always join our discord we'll be uh live chatting through the the episode this thursday and every thursday and uh daggerheart video coming soon for those of you interested to find out about that new system yeah all right but that's all she wrote yeah we'll catch you soon bye y'all